Ladies and gentlemen, greetings and welcome to the Digimark Corporation second quarter 2023 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A brief question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star and zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. It is now my pleasure to introduce your host, Joel Meyer, Chief Legal Officer. Please go ahead. Thank you. Welcome to our Q2 conference call. Riley McCormick, our CEO, and Charles Beck, our CFO, are with me on the call. On the call today, we will provide a business update and discuss Q2 2023 financial results. This will be followed by a question and answer forum. We have posted our prepared remarks in the investor relations section of our website and we'll archive this webcast there. Before we begin, let me remind everyone that today's discussion contains forward-looking statements that have risks and uncertainties. Please refer to our press release for more information on the specific risk factors that could cause our, our actual results to differ materially. Riley will now provide a business update. Thank you, Joel, and hello, everyone. Q2 was a strong quarter on many fronts, a testament to our maniacal focus on being easy to begin doing business with and excellent at guiding customers along their product digitization journey. Starting with the easy to begin doing business with portion of our mantra, I want to highlight a few wins on the direct side of our business. We added two large new customers in the pharmaceutical vertical and are hard at work expanding this flywheel to help this industry combat the massive and massively important issue of counterfeit products. We also closed deals with two separate divisions of a top 25 global CPG for a sandbox version of our platform involving factory automation and are working to pull together the ecosystem partners necessary to provide a quickly scalable and low-touch solution to the hundreds, if not thousands, of other companies that would benefit from the same. Based not just on these two initial wins, nor just on our internal research, but very importantly, also on our growing pipeline of opportunities as the word gets out, we are confident we have a truly differentiated and high-value factory automation solution that we can't wait to provide to many others. On the channel side, we added two new VARs, including the large $32 million-plus contract we announced a few months ago. We have high expectations that both relationships will grow as we prove Digimark eliminates value in allowing our VARs to provide unique and differentiated solutions to their own customers. In, in addition, the public announcement of our large bar deal has put us squarely on the security printing industry's radar. We are in early conversations with two, two new prospects, each of which represent a sizable opportunity. This fur further validates the unique position we enjoy in this space, based not just on Illuminate's capabilities as the world's best product digitization hyperscaler, but also Digimark's hard-earned and well-deserved reputation with this industry, gained by over two decades of delivering value to the world's central banks. In addition to the opportunities opening, up, opening to us in the security printing space, the day after we issued that press release, we received an invite to a full-day planning session for a proposed deposit return system program in a major country. We are focused on expanding our opportunities in the DRS market, as we believe our Illuminate platform provides our VARs the ability to offer a DRS solution that is easier, more comprehensive, and more cost-effective in the status quo. As part of the excellent at guiding customers along their product digitization journey portion of our mantra, 
We signed, a, we signed multi-year extensions with six important customers in Q2, five of which resulted in the meaningful increase in annual recurring revenue, a testament to the power of our technology and our team. Four of these renewals were direct customers, and the other two were VARs. In addition to these contract renewals, we also had two customers whose contracts were structured under the legacy pay-as-you-go model significantly ramp up their usage in Q2, including a top-five global CPG that is also a key supplier to Walmart. All of the above helped contribute to strong results in the two key financial metrics about which we obsess. While Charles will elaborate more in a moment, I want to highlight subscription revenue is up 44% year-over-year and 59% when adjusting for the end of life of piracy intelligence. In addition to strong subscription revenue growth, subscription gross margin expanded 400 basis points sequentially to a near best-in-class 84%, with further expansion ahead as we continue to remove costs from our platform and add high incremental margin subscription revenue. Before I turn the call over to Charles, I want to take this opportunity to answer a question I know is front of mind for many of our investors. Yes, our technology does have a significant role to play as the world grapples with both the opportunities and the dangers of generative AI. And as we've been busy preparing our soon-to-launch offering, informed by all the learnings and knowledge that comes from being the pioneer and widely recognized vanguard of digital watermarking, it has been wonderful to see some of the world's largest companies and governments conclude the same. <clears throat> we also applaud the various governments and gen AI companies who are moving to act on this conclusion including most recently the seven leading AI companies who convened at the request of the White House and voluntarily committed to take specific steps. The world seems to be coalescing around the view that, safety, that safely and securely unlocking the transformational power of Gen AI will require addressing its biggest dangers head-on, a view we not only share, but one we are uniquely positioned and excited to help achieve. And no bigger problems need solving in the world of Gen AI and how to ensure the authenticity of digital media, and how to provide for the safety and fairness of the input to the models themselves. We believe there's an obvious need for a single, robust, secure, and easy-to-adopt solution that can accomplish both, while also adding additional value to stakeholders in the world of Gen AI and beyond, and are anxious to begin telling that story more broadly. But today, I want to focus more specifically on each of these two potentially show-stopping problems in turn. Regarding the need to ensure the authenticity of digital media in a world where digital asset creation is easy, fast, and cheap, while the current proposal of tagging all Gen AI created output is a solid first step, if for no other reason than it shows that the Gen AI companies are serious about taking action, it won't solve the problem of how to ensure the authenticity of digital media for the following four reasons. <clears throat> first, unless every Gen AI company applies digital watermarks to its output, which is an impossibility for many reasons, simply tagging the Gen AI created content of some will do as little to prove authenticity as if it were done by none. Intuitively, no one would suggest the system we have built alongside the world's central banks to help protect the authenticity of currency should rely on every potential counterfeiter, current and future, printing the word fake on their counterfeit currency. The same logic applies here. <clears throat> Second, a solution that rests solely on digital watermarking Gen AI output assumes there are only nefarious or frivolous use, uses of Gen AI, an assumption with which we, along with many others, disagree. An incredible amount of legitimate content is already being produced with the help of Gen AI, and the value creation potential of Gen AI is still in its infancy. 
Similar to how the output of copy editors improved with the advent of spell check, the work of professional creatives will improve by incorporating GenAI. GenAI is a generational productivity tool that should and will be used by legitimate creators of digital assets. And what truly matters is whether a digital asset was created by the source one believes it was, not the method or tools used in its creation. Third, authentic content used in inauthentic context is often worse than just lacking certainty by the digital asset's native authenticity, because this scenario provides a false sense of comfort. Context about when and why authentic content was created and used matters, and it matters a great deal. To wit, an authentic image of a medicine that appears in an inauthentic place, such as the website of an unauthorized or otherwise illegitimate reseller, will without doubt increase the odds that consumer mistakenly purchases a potentially dangerous item. Content and context are two sides of the same authenticity coin. And finally, many Gen AI engines rely on open source technology, which essentially gives anyone the keys to inspect, understand, and potentially even edit lines of codes, including those lines involving security. There's a reason why network security companies don't build their business around open source technology, and the same logic applies when it comes to a system tasked with ensuring the authenticity of digital assets. For these reasons, simply watermarking GenAI created output, output will not adequately ensure the authenticity of digital content. Moreover, there's another crucial issue that must be addressed. The world also needs safe and fair filtering of the content that tra trains these engines. <clears throat> Several groups have an immediate need for these safeguards. First are the companies and creatives who have spent an incredible amount of talent, time, money, and effort to create their digital assets. This is exactly why copyright law exists in countries around the world. Without an automated safe and fair input filter, these assets have simply become free input to the trading of Gen AI engines without the copyright owners having a say. That isn't fair, and in many cases, it isn't legal. Second are the Gen AI companies themselves. <clears throat> they need a solution that allows them to comply with copyright law or they risk the exponentially growing avalanche of lawsuits overwhelming their legal teams as well as their balance sheets, and the only alternative being considered, unilaterally restricting the input needed to train their engines, will deprive the world of the productivity gains their useful and powerful technology will bring. In addition, the Gen AI companies also face a second still in its infancy avalanche of existential risk, namely model collapse, because without an automated way to filter the quality of input, along multiple different vectors, the models will suffer ever-decreasing quality of output until they asymptote to worthless. The universal law of GIGO, garbage in, garbage out, applies in the world of Gen AI too. And finally, beyond these two game over risks, the current processes being applied to Gen AI, mo Gen AI model training could be made much more efficient in multiple ways if a robust automated input filter that also allowed for identification were applied. And third is a group much larger than the first two combined, a group comprised of 8 billion people. We're all stakeholders in stopping our memories, such as the pictures of our children, from being used and monetized without our knowledge, let alone our permission. One of the statements coming out of the White House on this topic a few weeks ago was, the highest standards must be upheld to ensure that Gen AI innovation doesn't come at the expense of Americans' rights and safety. Extend that statement to all countries' citizens, and we wholeheartedly agree. A system that allows for an extensible and adaptable opt-in and opt-out filter benefits all, and we are excited to soon offer the world a single system that will allow for that, instilling confidence in content authenticity, 
and a whole lot more. In sum, some of the brightest minds in the world, spanning both the public and private sectors, have instinctually understood that yes, our technology has a role to play in what will likely prove to be the most powerful technology advancement since the internet itself. And importantly, they've shown a willingness to act to address the problems that must be addressed to unleash this power. We applaud them and are excited to build upon the foundation they have set. Due to our legacy, experience, and unrivaled expertise in digital watermarking, we have a meaningful role to play in solving the problems at hand. Digimark will deliver a solution that provides for authenticity, security, safety, and protection of rights, a system that benefits all. As we finish up the work we have been doing ahead of the launch, we are thankful for the positive reception we are already receiving with some incredibly important stakeholders and are excited to unveil more soon. I will now turn the call over to Charles to discuss our, our financial results. Thank you, Riley, and hello, everyone. Before I dive deeper into our Q2 financial results, there are some financial highlights that are important to emphasize. We closed $8.8 million in first-year commercial bookings, up more than 300% year-over-year. We delivered 59% year-over-year subscription revenue growth from current products. We achieved 84% subscription gross profit margin, and we significantly reduced our operating expenses and cash burn from last year. I highlight these areas as they are critical drivers as we work hard to get the business to profitability. Now on to the details. First-year commercial bookings were $8.8 million during the second quarter, a 4x increase when compared to the $2.2 million booked in Q2 last year. As Riley mentioned, one source of this growth was upsells to existing customers. These upsells are important to mention as we have some very large customers, and in most cases, we are in the earlier stages of account penetration, meaning we have a lot of runway to materially grow the revenue from these existing customers. These opportunities for revenue growth can come from adding new products and or expanding usage of existing products. While not unexpected, it was an encouraging sign to see these customers not only renew their contracts, but to do so at higher levels of commitment. It's also important to highlight that many of these deals contributing to bookings this quarter were multi-year commitments. Because we only report first-year bookings, the true impact of a multi-year contract is not captured. To further this point, if we sign a three-year committed contract, for instance, only the first year's annual fees would ever be reflected in our reporting bookings number. Years two and three would never show up. The impact of that contract, however, is committed revenue for the next three years. I share this context because bookings would have been much higher this quarter if we included the total contract value for multi-year deals. Total revenue for the quarter was $8.7 million, an increase of $1 million, or 13%, from $7.7 million in Q2 last year. Excluding revenue from our end-of-life piracy intelligence product, revenue increased $1.3 million, or 17%, year-over-year. As a reminder, Q2 last year was the last quarter of meaningful piracy intelligence revenue, and so this optical headwind to year-over-year growth is now gone. Subscription revenue, which accounted for 54% of total revenue for the quarter, grew 44% from $3.2 million to $4.7 million. Our subscription revenue growth rate was 59%, or $1.7 million, when excluding piracy intelligence. Again, this headwind goes away, start, this headwind goes away starting in Q3. Service revenue declined 10% from $4.5 million to $4.1 million reflecting the impact of Holy Grail recycling project work in Q2 last year of 700,000. 
excluding this non-recurring project work, service revenue increased 300,000 or 8%, reflecting the impact of a larger annual budget from the central banks for project work this year. We still expect our currency business to deliver double-digit growth this year. Subscription gross profit margin improved from 73% in Q2 last year to 84% in Q2 this year. The large increase in margins year-over-year year reflects two positive trends we foreshadowed on our Q4 earnings call that would start to occur this year and continue into next year and beyond. First, a more favorable mix of subscription revenue to our newer products, which carry higher gross profit margins on average than our legacy products. Second, our product infrastructure costs are declining, even with increased usage by customers on our platform. We expect these trends to continue, resulting in further expansion over time to our subscription gross profit margins. This is an important development to note given our focus as a company on growing subscription revenue. Service gross profit margin decreased from 61% in Q2 last year to 51% in Q2 this year. The decrease reflects the impact of project work we realized from Holy Grail recycling projects in Q2 last year and some higher costs in Q2 this year, which are not expected to repeat. We anticipate service gross profit margin to be in the mid-50s on average going forward, with some fluctuation quarter to quarter depending on labor mix. Operating expenses for the quarter were $16.1 million compared to $18.9 million in Q2 last year. The large decrease in operating expenses reflects the impact of the reduction in force this past February, along with other cost-saving initiatives implemented in Q1 this year. Non-GAAP operating expenses for the quarter were $12.9 million compared to $15 million in Q2 last year. Net loss per share for the quarter was $0.53 cents versus $0.75 cents in Q2 last year. Non-GAAP net loss per share, which excludes non-cash and non-recurring items, was $0.29 cents versus $0.47 cents in Q2 last year. We ended the quarter with $34.5 million in cash and investments. We used $8.5 million of cash and investments during the quarter, compared to $14.7 million in Q2 last year. Our cash usage for the quarter, while much lower than last year, reflecting higher revenues and lower costs, was negatively impacted by unfavorable timing of customer receipts. It was also much higher than we anticipate our quarterly results going forward. For the second half of 2023, we expect our total cash usage for the six-month period to be noticeably less than the amount of cash we used in the last three months alone. As we have stated before, we continue to be focused on building a sustainable business capable of extremely high cash flow generation. For further discussion of our financial results and risks and prospects for our business, please see our Form 10-Q that will be filed with the SEC. I'll now turn the call back over to Riley for final remarks. Thanks, Charles. Q2 was a strong quarter. On both the direct and channel front, we were successful in not just being easy to begin doing business with, but also excellent at guiding customers along their product digitization journey. As promised at the end of last quarter's call and continues today, we are seeing momentum across all areas of our business, and that strength is showing up in our income statement and the two key financial metrics about which we obsess. With 59% year-over-year subscription revenue growth from current products, and the sequential addition of another 400 basis points of subscription gross margin to a near best-in-class 84%. But however strong Q2 was, what continues to excite us most is where we are going, because as we are beginning to show the results of our transformation to unlock the unparalleled power of our world-leading product digitization hyperscaler, 
We are also on the cusp of extending that opportunity more fully to the digital world, a domain in which the combination of our past and present will add to our delivery of a generational future. Ryan will now open the call for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star and one on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star and two if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. Ladies and gentlemen, we will wait for a moment while we poll for questions. Our first question comes from the line of Jim Ricciuti with Needham and Company. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, this is actually Chris Gringo on for Jim. Uh, thank you for, for taking the questions. Um, you mentioned uh, that you expect cast usage to be to be lower in the back half than it, than in thinning um, Q2. Um, could you frame for us some of the the factors that you expect to drive that result and uh, maybe speak to the weights or of those factors in, in driving that result and, and your visibility there? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a combination of timing of, of customer receipts. We have some large customer receipts coming on, but also growing revenues. Um, as we talked about on the last call, you know, the $32 million contract um, has three projects to it, and they start in different phases. As that continues to ramp, that will both drive revenue as, as well as additional cash. Um, but some of it's also just related to the timing of cash payments, including the large contract we have with Walmart um, that we signed last year. Yeah, and Chris, we, we grew revenue 59 we grew, we grew our substantial revenue at 59% year-over-year in Q2, and we expanded gross margins by 1,100 basis points. That's incredibly strong tailwind for um, for cash flow, for reduction of cash flow. So those two right. big trends, growing our top line and expanding the gross margin. Got it. Thank you very much. Um, and could you, um, could you elaborate a bit on the um, – the sandboxed version of the factory automation, um, what I guess what that entails um, for those customers and what they were doing before in the absence of, of, a, of a program like that. And, and, um, and uh, yeah, just elaborate on, on the nature of, of that product. Yeah, I, w I would love to. And, Chris, if you wait about – Five weeks or so, there will be a lot more out publicly about this. This is really, really exciting stuff. Um, I just don't want to front run um, a really strong uh, joint comms plan that is being put together. Um, but uh, so, so on the specific use case and, and, and who the customer is, um, stay tuned. Um, you know, one of the important things and, and – um, I reference it's a sandbox version of our platform, right? So historically we've gone to market with products and then we've gone to market with our full platform. And what we're finding is, and we're exploring, and, you know, we're, we're constantly learning, we're constantly opening up new opportunities, we're constantly learning new things. There's a market also for a sandbox version of our platform. So Illuminate for X, in this case Illuminate for factory automation. Um, and so what the buyer is, is enables is they get, some flexibility from uh, buying the platform components itself, but
but not paying the cost or, or you know, for a lot of components of the platform they don't need. Um, so it's a really exciting go-to-market development um, that seems to have, have real legs here. So without getting specifically into what this customer is doing and, and, and where they see the value and who the customer is, that will all be out publicly in about five or six weeks. Um, but more importantly, I think the idea here is you know, we potentially could be opening up a third avenue to go to market. We got our products, we got our platform, and then we have Illuminate for X. Um, and it, X being, in this case, factory automation, but there's a couple other Illuminate for Xs we're exploring as well. Got it. That's very helpful. Thanks. Um, and, and one more, if I may, I, I appreciated all the all the color on um, the generative AI um, uh, vision. Um, do you anticipate targeting customers that are existing customers that are moving into using generative AI more in their um, in their operations, or um, would you anticipate that this would be targeting a, a new set of customers for the business? Well, first of all, I would say I don't know if, if not now in six months everybody's going to be using generative AI. So I don't know if there's a difference of customers who are, are not. I would say again here, um, you know, we're we're going to be out in a very we have a very detailed comms plan and 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 launch uh, for our upcoming product that we will be talking about more. Um, but if you listen to what we're saying, there's 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 benefits to all, right? So watermarking digital assets to provide authenticity, and at the same time. Um, um, there's so much value in Gen AI itself, solving the two problems of authenticity of digital assets as well as safe and fair input for the training models. But it's beyond solving those two problems in the Gen AI world, and it's beyond even the Gen AI world. Um, so stay tuned for more on that, but um, a huge opportunity. Um, and we're, again, one, we're, one that we're uniquely positioned to provide um, simply because of our background in digital watermarking, our relationships, our expertise. Um, it's pretty exciting stuff. Great. Appreciate the caller. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Jeff Bernstein with Silverberg Bernstein Capital. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. Hi, uh, just a couple questions for you today. Um, just back on the factory automation side, is, is this related to, uh, this is going back quite a while, I think you guys had done some work with Cognex with machine vision and, and you had very high read rates on machine vision. Is, is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, uh, without mentioning the vendors too, and it's, it's more than just one uh, camera vendor that has market share and, and multiple we talk about developing an ecosystem, right? There is there is um, multiple wonderful vendors out there. Cognex itself obviously is a wonderful vendor, and as you mentioned, a historic partner of Digimark, and they're wonderful. Um, but there is um, a lot can be automated in a factory. Um, there is a lot of, of of providing identification and intelligence to items in a factory. Um, so yes, you're on the, you're absolutely on the right track. You mentioned one of our wonderful partners. And uh, stay tuned. Gotcha. Okay. And then I just want to make sure I understood when you talk about sandboxed, that, that's not a cybersecurity term, as in not connected oh, to the cloud. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Just, yeah. Just and, again, make sure the I idea, and, and, and I know it's a lot easier sometimes to see a word than hear a word. Illuminate for X, meaning illuminate for a bunch of different things. It's just a taking our the, the whatever functionality. Again, taking a, a step back. 
our Illuminate pl platform is what we build our own products upon, right? Yeah. Um, and so we're taking some of the capabilities of Illuminate in our currently four products and saying we want a little bit of this capability, a little bit of that capability. We're calling that a product. So sometimes customers want, especially our buyers, want our full platform. They want every lever and bell and whistle and all the wonderful capabilities within uh, Illuminate. And then sometimes people want to solve for a problem not using one of our predefined products, but using just some of our capabilities. Um, and so that's what we're talking about sandbox version is Illuminate for factory automation in this case, or Illuminate for – there's a couple other ones that potentially could be coming. Under, understand. Okay, that's great. And then you mentioned a uh, deposit return uh, program. So, so is this a second one in addition to – I think you talked about one on the prior quarter – yeah, so our our, uh, our wonderful VAR that we announced that we signed in Q2 and we announced um, a couple months ago, as Charles has mentioned, they're they're building three products currently on top of Illuminate. One of them is is to provide for the authenticity of a DRS system in a specific country. Um, yeah. What I referenced on the earnings call is as soon as that press release came out, I think it was literally the next day, uh, we got an invitation to a meeting for a. Uh, a very large country who was who was uh, working on their own DRS scheme, and and wants to wanted our insights and to talk to us about um, the value we could add because I, we believe there's a huge opportunity here in terms of uh, coverage, in terms of cost effectiveness, in terms of ease of implementation. Um, you know there was a um, and it's important stuff. There was an article uh, actually that somebody sent me about a week ago or a week and a half ago about. Somebody, a uh, family making $6 million or something by bringing cans from Arizona and, and, and um, getting the, the deposit back from California. This is a big problem. Uh, and there's ways to solve it. There's ways that, that existing DRS um, systems are, are using to solve it. We got a solution that can pro extend coverage and do it in a lot more cost-effective way. But that, and that's one we're going to go through through our VAR. Our, our VAR uh, you know, we have one VAR that we announced this uh, early, uh, earlier in Q2 uh, as part of the $32 million deal, and we're looking to expand that network and also to help that part be more successful in other countries. Gotcha. And then you mentioned adding one more VAR. Uh, any color on kind of, you know, the, the general uh, area that VAR is in? Yeah, I mean, they're using Illuminate. So, um, uh, oh, you mean what, what – so not what use case are they going after, what what end market they – they're, they're yeah, in packaging kind of general. Label. Yeah, gotcha. they're a packaging okay. label company. Gotcha. Okay. Um, all right. And, and lastly, uh, you, there was a mention uh, about the uh, product infrastructure costs coming down as customers um, actually utilized uh, your, your product more. And it sounds a little counterintuitive to me. Could you so just walk us through how that is? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're updating the, the, the platform capabilities that we have that will provide for more efficiency from a cost perspective and be able to scale out. So, you know, we're taking somewhat legacy technology and, and updating that to, to a newer platform, which is the Illuminate platform. So as we transition customers off of our legacy platform onto that, we expect that we'll continue to be able to drive the average price down. That's great. Thank you. Thanks for the help today. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press star and one. Our next question comes from the line of Robin Nip with Jenny Montgomery Scott. Please go ahead. 
Thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it, gentlemen. And uh, congrats on a really good quarter. Um, I suspect I know the answer to this question, but I'll ask it anyway. Riley, are you able to share with us uh, the collective total of the different contracts that were multi-year deals that we were only reporting on, on, on the first year? Yeah, we intentionally aren't trying to throw out other metrics there, but it, it's into the seven figures. But I'm, I'm, I don't want to get into There was a reason why we went away from reporting both total and first because it was confusing, but it, it was sizable. Okay, very good. Thanks. Appreciate it. Nice quarter. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robin. Thank you. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press star and one. As there are no further questions, I would now hand the conference over to Riley McCormack for closing comments. Thanks, Ryan, and thanks, everyone. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care. Thank you. The conference of DGMark Corporation has now concluded. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect your lines.